Hello and welcome to Special Parents Confidential, Episode 27. I'm John Pellegrini. School districts in Michigan and across the United States are facing major funding problems due to budget cuts and tax cuts from both state governments and on the federal level. Unfortunately, in some cases, special education funding is one of those areas that gets hit frequently with funding reductions. However, one regional school district here in Michigan has come up with a creative way to keep special education funded. The Kalamazoo Regional Educational Services Agency that oversees the nine school districts and four public service academies of Kalamazoo County passed a ballot initiative to raise taxes to keep their special education programs fully funded for the next six years. In this episode of Special Parents Confidential, I'm joined by Dave Campbell, the superintendent of the Kalamazoo Regional Educational Services Agency. He talks about how they were able to get the ballot initiative to raise taxes passed in this time of anti-tax sentiment throughout Michigan and throughout the United States. First off, I asked Superintendent Campbell to explain the situation that the Kalamazoo RESA was facing for funding special education. Well, of course, funding was was very tight, which was the reason that we... uh... Uh, decided to uh, ask the voters for a uh, millage increase. The the situation that put us there is we have significantly more students in our center-based programs mm-hmm. in Kalamazoo County. The center-based programs would be old programs such as our Woods Edge Learning Center, which has uh, students with severe uh, physical and, and, and uh, mental uh, cognitive disabilities. Uh, it would also be our juvenile home school, our young adult program for students 18 uh, to 26 that are going to earn some uh, some uh, job skills and, and independent skills. We've got a lot of different programming, literally from birth through age 26 in a center-based uh, format. But it's only 15% of the students in the county. And so and sometimes people think, oh, Carissa, they educate all the students with disabilities in the county, and that's not true. But the percentage has been going up. We've had a 27% increase in students in our center-based programs in the last five years. So that's a very key step, growth in number of students. These are expensive programs when you're providing the kinds of individualization to meet uh, students' needs and the students with, with very significant disabilities. That is not free. And then at the same time that's going on over the last five years, the taxable value of the county has been decreasing uh, or was decreasing over the, the past uh, uh, five years uh, it, because of the housing crisis, which you may recall started in about fall of '08. Right. And and, it, and it's, so you put a, a drop in the taxable value, and when you're dependent on property taxes with a, a 27% increase in the number of students in your center-based program, then you're going to have a funding problem. It's a crash course is what it is, and, and it put it on, put us on a crash course and uh, and so we were uh, unable to reimburse our local districts properly to so they could fund their own special education program because they've got 85% of the students with special needs in the county and of course they employ school psychologists and speech and language therapists and resource room teachers etc and 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 we we hope that our revenues that we get from the federal and state and and our, of course our local taxpayers would be enough to properly reimburse them well when you put a those two big forces of the increase in kids in the center-based program combined with a decrease in the taxable value, perfect storm, put us on a crash course. And, and so the locals really felt the pinch. Um, 
in terms of their their reduced reimbursement for their special education costs. So that was our funding situation um, that that put us uh, onto uh, into a situation where we we asked the voters for a millage increase. Right, right, and this is the kind of thing that happens all across the country. Yeah. Uh, what kind of what kind of increase were you looking for as far as the funding goes, and how did the various dic- districts work out which way the money was going to be allocated for the special education services? Well, the the, the kind of increase we're talking about was a one point five mil uh, increase in our special education levy. Uh, we currently levy two point eight mils, and this increased it to four point three by adding the the one point five. It's a six year. Uh, approval, and so we'll, uh, if we need to to continue this, uh, you know, into the future, uh, we would be uh, bringing it on the ballot uh, again in in six years. Uh, the uh, uh, the in terms of the the question about how do the locals decide that you know the way our funding formula works, as I kind of described in the in the earlier question, is the, the we distribute as much money as we can to the local districts. Okay, and this is an important point. Our our special education plan, which is agreed upon by all nine districts, KRESA and the State Department of Education, uh, has it so that KRESA doesn't keep a large fund equity. We don't have a large savings account. Um, we have a, a, a about a two percent of our total budget is kept in savings. It's a seven hundred thousand um, dollar fund balance, and and if we bring it down to seven hundred thousand every year. So anything beyond that that we have after collecting all the revenues and, uh, and, and, and paying for all the center-based programs, it goes to the locals to help them to pay for their special education costs. Well, their reimbursement had dropped from $14 million down to $9 million over the last uh, uh, five years. And so, that, again, therein lies the problem. So now they, they uh, in terms of the plan for how to spend, that would be up to the local superintendents, their boards of education, in terms of de- you know determining, okay, how are we going to use this money to to more appropriately pay for the costs of, of special education? In many cases, I imagine it's going to be they're going to use that money to pay for their special education costs, and then the money is freed up as general education monies, and they can use that for for other purposes. Okay, so there's no uh, limitations as to exactly how they have to spend this on certain programs nope. or anything like that. Well, I mean, it, it would be the typical special education. You know, they, they would it would need to meet the the guidelines as established by the state in terms of using special education money to uh, you know to, to pay for you know properly certified teachers and approved programs. Sure. But it would be it's nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, you know, it's just I mean the the monies need to be spent in accordance to special education law but that's that's not an issue because they they understand the law they know what can be spent and and they're you know a lot of this uh, uh, millage increase is going to be going to general education because uh, the general education budgets were having to to subsidize special education so much uh, and, and so um, the the money will you know in many of the districts will end up uh, going to special education so that general does not have to subsidize. Okay. Now, how was the ballot initiative, uh, how, would, how did you come up with the idea with that? Was that a parent suggestion, or did you uh, get together and just kind of hash out the best possible way of uh, handling the budget issue? You know, it's, it's, I think it was a growing conversation over years, year after year over the past five. You know, we've re, re, reduced that reimbursement for special education costs. Well, every year there's an annual budget cycle, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And, 
and you know boards of education are looking at this saying, oh my gosh, the costs of special education are going up at the same time the revenues are going down. So it really came out of the superintendents and, and, and some school boards just concerned about at the same time the, the state funding has been very tight. Uh, the, the the money uh, coming out of, of out of Kalamazoo Rusa has also been been uh, decreasing in terms for their reimbursement. So it really started more at the superintendent and board level. All right. Well, now there are nine school districts and four public service academies in your regional educational service agency. How were all the districts and schools involved able to coordinate the ballot initiative? Uh, in, in terms of the campaign itself, is how I. I'm thinking you're asking that mm-hmm. in terms of coordinating the ballot initiative. Um, in, in you know there were occasional meetings, but um, really the campaigns uh, were run. It was nine different campaigns, and then KRESA nine meaning there's nine school districts. So Kalamazoo Public Schools they ran their campaign, and Vicksburg Community Schools ran their campaign for for their voters. Um, you know, Kalamazoo Risa, we certainly did some coordination, some communication. We put together some some basic uh, information, uh, kind of a communication toolkit uh, to get information out to voters in terms of uh, what the initiative is and how the money is going to be spent and when the election is and that kind of thing. But uh, it was really run as nine individual campaigns, and then K Risa is just providing some oversight, coordination, and and some tools uh, for districts that that chose to use them. How about uh, the difficulties of getting the ballot initiative together for the residents to vote on in the election? I know I've heard from uh, some parents around here as well as other districts that uh, when they've tried to do something like this, they had been told that it's against state laws for uh, school districts to do a ballot initiative for a tax increase. Is there any truth to that or is this uh, something that goes above and beyond that? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure where they'd be coming from on that. I know there is a formula, okay? So there may be some ISDs that are at their maximum levy, mm. okay? And that was that would be determined based on what they were levying back in 1993-94 when Proposal A passed. Ah, okay. Okay, so and, and you're, in a, you're in a pretty technically complicated area and right. I'm not an I'm not an expert on it um and so I'm not really best equipped to answer that question but I do know that your prior funding level that there there's a formula that's applied and and it determines the maximum amount that your intermediate school district can ask voters to approve mm. If we didn't ask for the maximum amount that we could, uh, we you know we could have asked for I believe it was 2.2 mils, uh, but 1.5 was got us to the point where we were basically able to fully reimburse our districts for the special education costs uh, this year, and we and we just thought that that uh, you know that that was an appropriate ask at this point. So the formula is going to change depending on what voters approved back in the 60s when intermediate school districts were. Uh, formed and all the original levies were voted upon by uh, counties voters, or not counties, but intermediate school districts uh, voters. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it really varies. And so th- maybe you're hearing that, that there's a huge inequity. Well, that's true. Is it against the law? Well, if you're already levying the maximum amount that the law allows you to levy, then that's true. (laughs) I don't know many districts that are at the maximum amount, but I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. Right. Um, It it is possible. Um, 
But uh, that, I know that's probably a, a longer and more technical answer than, than you wanted, but that's, that's the okay. best they can do. That the inequity is very, very strong. Uh, there are there are intermediate school districts that uh, that can't provide any reimbursement to local districts. In fact, they bill their local districts back for the cost of special special education. The districts have to take their general education uh, monies and pay for the center-based program that I was alluding to earlier that we pay for out of the millage, our federal monies and, and our state monies. So it's a massive inequity from ISD to ISD in our state. Um, that has created significant hardship in, in many uh, for many school districts, just depending on uh, how much uh, they're able to to gather from the, the taxpayers in their particular intermediate school district. Right, right, and so that's probably something that eventually should be addressed, but uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, too many individual school districts are involved. It'll be complicated to address, but I would argue absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about equity, it's a pretty important American value. Mm-hmm. You know, do kids have uh, equal access? That's a pretty important word in, in our Constitution. Uh, and, and so, you know, we can't just keep burying our heads in the sand and say, oh, well, it, it's, it's inequitable. And Well, yeah, and, it's, uh, and there's been a lot of things over the years that have been inequitable, and, and, and eventually they need to get addressed, and we need to sort these things through. I would argue this is one of them, uh, because it's absolutely getting in the way of not just the special education students' education, but the general education. Uh, students' education is all kids. They all matter, and, and they all should be uh, funded at, a, at an appropriate level to get them the, the, the skills that they need to, to be successful in this century's economy. Right. And that answer kind of ties in with what I wanted to ask next, which is we live in a time, of course, when there are parts of society that stir up all kinds of protests over any sort of tax increase. How are you able to convince enough people to vote in favor of this increase? Well, that's a, that's a, a great question. Uh, we ran basically, you know, it was nine different campaigns in the local districts, um, and, and the, the local school boards and local superintendents know their communities best. We didn't write a script or anything like that and say, here, go say this. That's just not, uh, that's not appropriate. It wouldn't be the appropriate role, uh, in my opinion, of an intermediate school district. Uh, we provided support, coordination, communication. We, we put together some sample letters. Everything that we sent out was just straight information. There was nothing that came out of K. Reese that said vote yes. Okay, we just we didn't run our campaign that way. We ran it as we're providing information, which is our responsibility as as a governmental entity to provide factual information about our budget situation, how how money is spent, you know how the formula uh, the spending formula works, and then we disseminated that uh, factual information uh, out in a lot of different ways from social media to radio interviews like this and you know tv show i mean we were we were out uh, uh you know, talking about this uh, the local uh, m live uh, kalamazoo m live was uh, actively followed the story from from you know very early in the process when we uh, we uh, conducted a survey back in november of our of our uh, community uh, uh, to determine you know how much support would this have and so you know they reported widely on that and, of course, then it really came down to the nine local districts, though. Uh, they ran their campaigns as they thought would, would fit best uh, to try to generate uh, as many uh, people to, to vote yes as possible. So the stories may have been a little bit different, depending on, on how they were um, paying for their, their special education costs. You know, the story's going to differ a little bit, maybe, in terms of things they had to cut. 
to pay for the mandated special education program. So that's... Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's how we did it. Yeah. Well, I think it was a, a good way you mentioned earlier that this not only is uh, affecting special education, it also affects general education because the dollars have to come from somewhere. Right. Right. When you're when you're talking special education, uh, you know these are these programs are rightly mandated, and some people may disagree with me and say, well, no, they shouldn't be mandated from the federal government, state government, and, and we can we can discuss that. And uh, we may disagree. I, I believe that that all kids are, are have potential and can learn. I, th- I think uh, most people that work with with kids with disabilities know that, and maximizing people's potential is is a very reasonable and right thing to do for the richest country on the planet. Uh, maybe there was a time when that was just simply unaffordable, and and that's probably you know a hundred years ago. Special education looked radically different. It was basically uh, for uh, you know, the, the children of the elite could possibly uh, you know hire a tutor or provide some kind of educational special educational programming. The kids were largely warehoused um, or you know, just relegated to to uh, you know a pretty dismal existence, which is very sad. And, and fortunately, you know, through the last several decades, I think our country's come a long way in caring about all people, uh, whether they have. Uh, disabilities or not, and, and providing uh, programming to maximize their, their potential. So that's, uh, that's I think, a, the, really the core of this. is It's really important. We're talking social justice here. We're talking about, um, you know, providing all students with an education that gives them as much dignity uh, as, and, and, and uh, potential for their, their future. Yeah, that's great. Now, as you said earlier, this is going to be for the next six years, and then after that you have to do it all over again, or are you hoping that maybe things could change a bit so that uh, things can happen on a statewide level? You know, that's a that's a great question. I don't have the answer to that. Um, you could tell from a few minutes ago when I was talking about the massive inequity that I do hope that there is some really substantial state uh, solution to this, uh, which may change our need for it. I don't know. Uh, If nothing changes, my guess is we would be back on the ballot, but my guess is also that something will change. The inequities are too large to ignore for another five, six years. Um, and, And that would be an interesting interview on its own. Um, I don't have the inform, you know, the data right handy to to quote for you, but you would be astonished, uh, I, I think, to 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 really see. And I know the Lieutenant Governor Kelly is going around the state, learning about uh, special education programming, uh, and and I was on a, a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago. I got to hear. I mean, he understands. Boy, there there is a significant inequity, so maybe maybe it will be addressed. I don't know, um, but uh, uh, time time will tell. I certainly hope so. Because, uh, you know, we are in one of the the counties that that has a a better formula. So as far as Kalamazoo is concerned, I could say, well, that's not my problem over there in such and such an ISD. Well, every student in in this state, I think, should be the concern of every citizen of this state. And and at some point, we really need to to look at our funding formulas and, frankly, bring them up to speed with this century. They were designed in the 60s. It may have worked well in the 60s, but that's, that's... 10, 15 years, most of these laws were designed before 94-142 passed at the federal level. Yeah. And we're still operating on, you know, on, on these systems that are, that are 50 years old. Right. And, and uh, so it's 
definitely time, I think, to take a look at, at the formulas and the details and, uh, and, and see, all right, how can we ensure that all students have, uh, have access to high-quality programming that will maximize their potential. That's great. Now, what uh, what kind of advice would you have for other school districts or parents in school districts who might be looking to your example to try to get funding for their special education programs and they want to see if they can initiate some kind of a ballot uh, uh, election or tax increase in their area? Well, that's a great question. Um, I would say communication more than anything else, having relationships, trusted relationships with the leadership of the school district, whether that's the superintendent, principals, other district-level administrators, uh, having some communication with, with school boards uh, is, is very important uh, as well. These are the people that actually vote, uh, whether, you know, it's the K-RISA board that voted to put this on the ballot. And so, you know, having a healthy amount of communication communication so they understand the issues from from multiple uh, points of view uh, is is I think very important uh, more than anything else we we did this uh, together with the local districts and and tried to to uh, work uh, you know in, a little bit in coordination with each other without uh, it being dictated from on high uh, this was not a Carisa driven uh, mandated uh, kind of situation this was a uh, this came up from our locals, and uh, and, and we and we worked together to to try to increase uh, the opportunities that our students would would have. My thanks again to Dave Campbell, superintendent of the Kalamazoo Regional Educational Service Agency, for taking the time to talk about their success in passing a ballot initiative to raise taxes for funding special education in their districts. As we always do at this point, a reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode we've done, please share our site with your friends, family, and all your connections on social media. You can do this easily with the social media buttons on our website. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on Google+, Tumblr, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, Reddit, or any of the other social media sites that you use. You can also sign up for our email service and have new posts and podcasts delivered right to your inbox the moment they're available online. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as Pod Directory now, as a free subscription. And if you have a moment, feel free to write a review about our podcast on either of those sites. Anything you can do to help spread the word about Special Parents Confidential will help us be able to continue these podcasts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.